All right, it's uh, around noon on 11 May, the day after drop day of Bud's book. Bud Smith, author of Teenager, out for vintage yesterday, dropped yesterday. Um, Bud's a good friend, a good homie. Yeah, the backstory with my relationship with Bud is uh, I, I reached out to him in fall of 2019. Um, it was episode 40 is the last. Uh, this is this is um, episode 64 after the exact exactly one year hiatus to let some of the, the madness die down. But Bud, uh, Bud for episode 40 in fall 2019 was the first uh, pod I did that wasn't with just a friend that was with the writer. I reached out to Bud because I just read work. I just moved to the city. And um, Bud was Bud was super down to, to just chop it up. He just told me to come through in person and talk. Um, so I, can't, I pulled up to his house in, in Jersey. I can, I'll link that. You can run that back if you want. I don't know how the sound quality is. I don't know how the sound quality is on this one, but I'm getting there. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, it's an epic book. It's an epic, epic romp by a couple two teenagers um, who out here, um, you know, forced to survive, do some crimes, go on the run, and uh, try, try, try to try to make it through, even if it seems like a futile task. Um, but I enjoy this book a lot, and I enjoy talking to Bud, and I, I'm stoked to share this convo. Let's go. It's good to hear your voice. What are you up to? Not much, man. I just got back from L.A. Um, uh-huh. early this morning. Cool. Um, on a red eye, I just read the, pat- the last, like, 40 pages in a long oh, cool. walk down to the Verrazano Bridge. Wow. Dermatology appointment. Cool. Oh, you were reading it and walking? I was reading it and walking, catching those last rays. I don't want to waste time not reading it <laughs> while driving. Okay, cool, man. That's cool. Thank you. Thanks for reading that thing. The uh, yeah, we just saw everybody last night. You know, yeah, how was that? It was great. It was great. I mean, I mean, it, you know, the Forever Magazine, Anika and Madeline, and just they throw the they throw the best little parties, man. Yeah, Bible read too. Bible read. Jimmy Cajole's read. Nice. Um, and Gene Fraser read. It was great. It was how, all, was that, how was that space? I checked. I checked it out a couple of weeks ago. It was pretty wild. Place is insane. Um, insane. Yeah, uh, you know, you walked walked up there. I was like, uh, I don't know how they're how we're having literary events in places like this. It was a good turnout. Classic uh, forever turnout. Yeah, it was. It was over two hundred people there. I think. Dang. Which yeah, it's just crazy for. Yeah for book stuff i mean it's i get i shouldn't think it's crazy but you know at least it seems like it used to be you know you go you do one and you know yeah is you something happening what's going on why is everyone coming out to these events is it the pandemic what do you think yeah i think so people are yeah. just they want to have fun they want to have fun again and yeah they uh i don't know maybe they uh maybe they fell in love with reading again during the pandemic or something i have no idea yeah yeah, it's crazy, man. Fucking, how are you feeling with the book coming out tomorrow? I feel good. The, um, it's just always like, you know, when, when something's coming out, you know, so you gotta start talking about it in the past tense. I know, which, right? It's cool. Yeah, you're about to get, you're about to enter the gauntlet. I think I finally got through my gauntlet. Yeah, yeah, and now, and now your book's been out for a while, and you when you sit down and, and you're working on a project, it's not, it feels like just going back in a, back to regular life. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you're about to go to Memphis. Yeah. We're flying out to Memphis on, uh, 
leaving here at 10 a.m. and land out there and getting a ride from Lee Durkee. He's going to pick us up at the airport and nice. take us down, down to Oxford. Yes, yeah, I've never yeah. been there. And I always, you know, for years, it's just like this place I always have heard about from, um, from my good friends I, I always drink with in the city. The guys we just talked about before, Michael Bible and yeah. Jimmy Cajolas, they just talk about Oxford like it's like heaven. You know, they went to school there and they just talk about it with such like, you know, reverence. I was like, man, I got to get out there. Yeah. I mean, speaking of cross country, uh, you know, hectic cross country road trips, maybe with with no no casualties like in your book. Um, that's 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 what I did last summer. I drove across and that's when I uh, pit stopped in Oxford for a second. Oh, and cool. The vibes that were interesting. It was like part old Miss, but then like. I was romping around with Nico and he kept, kept running into writers. Cool. Yeah. That's all. I just keep hearing about like the local, the local writers and heard stories about these guys forever. So I don't, I haven't met them yet. And I've heard so many stories about everybody. Well, I'm just like, I feel like when I meet, when I meet some of these people, it's going to be like meeting uh, the New Jersey devil or something. You know? <laughs> the, the, the New Jersey devil. Yeah. The New Jersey devil. Who's the New Jersey Devil? What's that base? Why are they called the New Jersey Devils? That's right. You know, it's kind of, it's funny that like, I was surprised people, I, sh- I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. People like hadn't heard of that. Like the Jersey Devil is just this like urban legend thing okay. from where I'm from. There's like okay. this, uh, I just mean, it's like, you hear these kind of like, like stories about people long before you meet him. But the Jersey Devil was this, <clears throat> he was this kid in the story. He was the 13th child and uh the mother didn't didn't want the baby he cursed cursed his birth and then he yeah. was born like a demon up in the attic and he burst out and you know and i was a kid you'd always go out looking for him or something in the pine yeah. barrens gonna go find the jersey devil and meet him damn um yeah i love that um man the the last push of this was was a ride it was kind of it was kind of you know um it was reminding me of all my trips across country and I was out in LA this past weekend and I was down on the water and uh, you talking, I think one part there down in the water at Wilshire in LA and then they go up the coast. Um, I was thinking like, yeah. Did, so how, how were you remembering trips across country or were you doing any trips across country when you were working on it? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, talking about getting, getting to the Pacific ocean. I remember the first time, I saw the Pacific Ocean. I grew up on the Atlantic. And when I was a kid, just went to the beach in the summertime, like every weekend, you know, at the beach or we grew up, we grew up in a house kind of like half an hour inland kind of from the, uh, from the ocean, but right on the bay, you'd have to just, you'd have to drive all the, all the way around, you know, to get to the beach beach, but you could always go to the ocean. Um, so, but the first time I went out to, uh, California when I was like 20 I remember the first time I saw the ocean the Pacific Ocean and I was just like blown away even though I'd seen the Atlantic I don't know felt like thousands of times already yeah. it was like the Pacific just such a different different thing did such a different exciting experience to, to see this like wild thing that you thought you knew you know yeah. and uh yeah I remember the first time I, I jumped in the Pacific just it was summertime and and the damn thing about 10 degrees colder than it, than it is on this side of the this side of the country for sure 
so yeah i don't know my my experience of like going cross country i think i went when i was 20 and i think i went again when i was like 22 and i went again when i was 23 just whenever somebody was somebody was driving out somewhere but the uh, yeah if somebody was going cross country i just tried to get in the car okay and uh, go along for the ride so like this a lot of the the places not so much the people people are just kind of like you kind of almost invent a little jersey devil for each place yeah they're kind of like a uh of like each each place you have that they visit they kind of meet almost like a little mythological figure or something it was making me think a lot about don quixote and it was my experience reading don quixote yeah when you, you you get in one little one little story and then sometimes i get kind of attached to the story i was in and then like and then you gotta leave and then you yeah you gotta leave but that's how you know i guess that's how time that's how time be you also had some really interesting bars about like time around the end especially i don't want to you kind of a magical realist with like time passing yeah I, I don't know how else to really write about it other than that and it kind of feels like usually like the saddest thing ever just when when you have to leave or when something's over and it's yeah. just so you know, i wish i wish i could I'm, I'm already sad i gotta leave oxford mississippi you know i haven't been there yet <laughs> you're already sad and that's just how i feel i'm so yeah. excited to meet the new people there and see it and and experience something new about this country and the people who live here and I'm already like I'm I'm already uh, I'm already sad. I I, I got to say goodbye to some mythological figure there, or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like Don Quixote. That that kind of book just influenced so much stuff that it inadvertently influences everything after, and in this one too. Are there any others you could think like that? That kind of move is that? Would that be that's like picaresque kind of like one story after another? Or though this has a long through line, they're on the run. I'm not yeah. really sure what a picaresque is really i use that word a lot yeah i think that way too like i remember i was trying to figure out what kind of writing seinfeld was or something like that like yeah what is that you know it's like just this little strange story about people that are kind of seems like they're not necessarily not not to no good but they're they're kind of outside the normal operation and uh episodic yeah. Yeah. so obviously like Seinfeld's just episodic, but I remember I was asking around like uh, my friend who was a uh, my friend who was a uh, professor out in Chicago. He was like, "Oh, I think it's a picaresque." And I remember, um, you know, just thinking about like maybe even something like some of the Dostoevsky stuff. I've read the stuff recently. You know, I didn't grow up like yeah reading the Dostoevsky stuff or or um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like. Yeah, I guess crime and punishment kind of moves like that too. Like new chapter, there's like a new person enters a room, they start having a whole conversation. Yeah, I'm 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 not really sure how it like all falls into that. Yeah, you know, that subgenre, but totally. I mean, yeah. I'm reading uh, I'm reading Death Comes for the Archbishop right now. Oh, Willa Cather. Oh, Willa Cather. Oh, I, I read. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. I read uh, My Antonia, which is yeah, like, that. that's really good. She just I she's. Love yeah, just hanging out on the prairie and uh, about a boy who loves the farm girl next door, the prairie girl next door, I'm not sure, okay. and uh, can't be with her. And it's kind of just like really weighed in this place and you don't, there's not a whole lot of characters, but every once in a while somebody 
somebody new kind of comes in and tells like a um like a, a little myth of where they're from like there's this famous part in my Antonio where it's someone's on their i think someone's on their deathbed and they're talking about russia growing up there and there was this like carriage ride and the wolves were coming and they had to throw some they had to throw the bride off so they could get away um you know survive yeah, yeah. the wolf attack but so my thing with reading her and reading that was like oh cool this person writes about you know oh pioneers is another prairie kind of book i'm like oh, this is a this this amazing woman writes about the prairie okay yeah. <laughs> but then uh i think she ran out of prairie stuff to write about or something <laughs> oh so death comes for the archbishop is about um the american southwest it's about uh new mexico and it's about the catholic church sending a um a new bishop down in new mexico and he takes over and he has to go around and talk to the you know the the Mexican priests that are in the area and kind of like um, not like overthrow anybody at all, but like just, Hey, there's a new, you know, there's a new leadership and he's just kind of going around yeah. from, from diocese to di diocese. And I'm just like, man, I'm really not too interested in uh, the Roman Catholic church or any of this stuff. But yeah. what, what she does is it's very much like Don Quixote in a way where he goes to this new place and there's this new, there's this new wild character and usually they there's not a whole lot of conflict in this book but it's just them sharing these amazing stories about that that town the new town he goes to maybe you hear a little bit about some some just wild local legend or something yeah and it's just endlessly interesting love that why is that yeah i wonder if that's they're saying something primordially about or like some 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 really baseline thing about about I don't know arcs about life when it when the story moves like that like even when I was saying earlier about like being kind of sad which I felt same thing in Don Quixote like I think yeah I think early you know they pull up to the ranch they're on the ranch now I'm like oh they're on the ranch now and then fucking someone gets shot and they're out you know what I mean yeah um, and <laughs> I'm like damn and then um, I also love that conceit because it's like in my head it's like it's a road trip novel but then like anytime the kids need something they could go rob somebody or <laughs> they need some new gear to climb this tree. They just go oh. rob somebody to take it. It's a really good, uh, yeah. Kind of novelistic conceit. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty easy. I feel like I didn't really th think about this one when, when I started, started writing it or anything, but it's like, you kind of want, you know, sometimes when you're, I feel like when you're writing a, you know, a regular book or regular like plot, you know, and you care about, the logistics of everything you know if your if your main character is a criminal and they can do anything uh <laughs> you know they, they need they need a thousand dollars they can go get it in five yeah. minutes rather than if it was me and i need a thousand dollars i have to like you know go to work for, <laughs> yeah. for uh, like i punch exactly. in exactly. i sit around, and it's like okay we follow the trials and tribulations of bud smith driving to work for you know a week and a half waiting for payday and then finally you know it's like i have to work work for it and struggle for it but cody's just he says all right well time to get a new car and he goes and steals he goes and steals it in two minutes it's almost like you're dealing with um you know you're dealing with like a little genie or something yeah yeah it's interesting when the when the characters are outside of society i think you, yeah you said that on like 49 349 well, just these two, this couple that's like together outside of society. And then they're also doing, they're doing crimes. And then 
And then um, when they say something, you're simultaneously hearing, you kind of got to take it with the grain of salt. Although, I don't know. I, I guess that's how my, my book is a little bit where it's like, you're not supposed to take everything at face value. But I guess with, I guess because my narrator's name, my name, it's, it, it's, it's harder to not take it at face value. Or I don't know. I, I was relating to some of the, you know, I don't know. It was, it was kind of, it was kind of emotional at the end of this book when shit really hits the fan, you know? And I was thinking about how this couple was moving. And sometimes I, I, it was like, it rides that line where it's sweet and romantic, but then you're also like, damn, they're also super misguided, you know? Yeah, I know. I, I always, I always think about, think about um, that. Yeah. I'm thinking about that a lot. You know, there's, it's like, you know, they just weren't given the love they really needed when they were kids, you know? Yeah. So they're trying to do that now. And they realize that they're kind of like fucked, totally fucked. And you kind of, you know, they get to a point where it's just like, well, you know, you got this for a little while and then it's going to go away. And it just kind of becomes almost like ludicrous, you know? Like, yeah. uh, what can you squeeze out of the what you assume will be like the end of your life here? Right, well, right. Started, but that's kind of how. Yeah, it's a weird thing because I, I don't know. You know, even talking about things moving episodically and things time moving forward, and um, sometimes wanting to cling to the old, the old, you know, past, past events like. Some parts were hitting, yeah, this one part where on 356 when when they're like, um, they finally, I think they're lurked up in the, in the pines up in, um, up in Oregon. And it's like, they were two fallible humans. They're in the business of puddles and green silence. They didn't know the password back through the gates of the Garden of Eden and wouldn't go back even in, even if they could. Like, I don't know, like, I've been feeling that a little bit with how things i mean i don't know how it's going to be for you but i think with putting a book out there's such a like loss of something you know and then even like trying to do conversations again kind of like no going back um and, and trying to squeeze out the rest of what we got in our lives you know <laughs> although it's a little more explicit for them yeah yeah it's just, i don't feel too uh i don't feel too put up against the wall myself because i'm kind of like just yeah. uh you know, I'm just got these these characters that they just kind of came came to me and and kept visiting me and could be sad. I'm gonna be sad to stop writing about them. Right? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I haven't been writing about them for six months now. I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, and always thinking about them, and yeah. now I'm like, I feel like you can't hang. You know, you can't hang out with them anymore. So that's kind of yeah. But so you feel like you got that clear, clear distance when you write about them. It's sad, you know, you can't, yeah. if, uh, you know, oh, I think my internet might be. God damn it. You might have yeah. glitched out a second. I think maybe I'm back now, huh? Okay. Yeah, you back. Cool. Um, you were saying. You were yeah, saying... when I write about my life, it's, it's a little different, like straight up you. life. Yeah. Well, if I'm writing, sometimes I'll just straight up write about instead of writing about Cody and Teal, it's mostly I'll be writing about me and my wife, Ray. Right, right, right. And it's like, when I'm writing about us, I still think about it the same way right. as these two. It's like anything can happen. 
and I'm I'm not really trying to keep it too faithful to the reality of, of my life or, or my wife's life. Right. We'll kind of like imbue her spirit into it, imbue my spirit into it. Yeah. And that may be that may be a little harder. That may be a little harder for me, you know, to write about my write about myself because I'm I don't I don't particularly think I'm interesting, you know. Right. right. I just feel like a person <clears throat> kind of bumbling around. So it's like, I think it's easier to, uh, to write, you know, honorably about a fictional character than myself. Maybe I got to like decide I'm important or something, but not yet. Right. But you drawing from some of the, yeah, kind of closeness with you and Ray and how they're romping around, right? Yeah, a little bit. Minus the murders. (laughs) yeah besides well it's just that it's just to be to be fresh and in love uh early in life yeah it feels it feels a little different than when you get older yeah and you know you've already been around the block a bunch of times even with the same person you know and you can still things are still exciting but uh i think about it this way like first time I went cross country and when I saw the Pacific ocean, I remember how excited I was by it, you know, yeah. but like two years ago or three years ago now, I went, uh, I went out there with my, my brother and he's like 35 and I was like, maybe I think I was 37 and he was 35 or something. Yeah. And I remember the getting to the Pacific for the first time with him and he was just like, eh, I don't know. He didn't like, it didn't like really move him very much. He was just yeah. like, Oh, okay. Right. And I just remembered that. <laughs> You know, he he was he was seeing this 15 years later than I have, and he was away from that right that that early life when everything feels fresh because it kind of is, and you're you're yet to be beaten down by life a little bit. For real, yeah. You've like just started to get your responsibilities, and you're just starting to break away from you. You know your your parents a bit more, and yeah. when you're at that age, you know doing those things for the first time, it may may feel much more exciting than doing something for the first time when you're 35, just because just been worn down a little bit already yeah 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 i feel bad you know i don't feel bad for anybody but they keep saying like maybe uh maybe like your generation maybe is gonna we're gonna have people living to be 125 130 and i I think about that i'm like oh shit man if we're feeling worn down to 30 how are we gonna feel at 100 and we still have half our health you know shit it was 100 years ago i'd be dead already i'm 31 (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah supposedly I, I i don't think i'm gonna i don't think i'm gonna, yeah i don't know i hear you get up there to 125 <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah yeah um damn do you think do you do you think about um um why why these kids are are wilding out like they are much i mean there's that one part late right when um when there's like a there's like an article and Cody's reading it, he's like, "Oh, they say that I'm I'm doing all this because of video games." Um, yeah, I, that was like, you always see that shit. Yeah, and it, exactly. it always irritates me, and I, and I wanted to kind of put it in there as like a, it had to be this outlandish thing inside one of his fantasy, you know, not fantasies like hallucinations, where you know, he sees it inside a home and gardening magazine. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he thinks he sees this whole like magazine about them committing all these crimes and and really like Teal sees what, what he can't really see at that moment. And he's just looking at like a 
gardening magazine or something. But it's always like it almost feels like that's just clickbait shit, you know? Yeah, right. It's like, oh, you know, Halo 3 made him do it or right. something. With you always see that stuff on the news now, or it's they try to pin it on on on, on whatever they kind of have, but there's there's just always been there's always been stuff that people are, who are damaged are retreating into. Right. And they're kind of almost doing it as like a survival mechanism. And the thing they kind of get, they hide in for a while. The thing they become obsessed with, um, it doesn't generally usually seem to me that it's what actually spurs them on to what they do. I mean, that's the Don Quixote thing. You know, nobody actually read of all these books on uh, chivalry and went out and became a knight, you know? Right. But we put it in that book because it's this, this is just like you said, primordial tale about somebody just kind of set on some kind of strange, destructive quest. Usually, right? Happens in Madame Bovary too. She reads a bunch of romance novels and decides her life isn't good anymore, and she needs to do something exciting. So she goes and stares at the river for a while, gets really depressed, and goes into town to to have a bunch of affairs. Yeah, and destroys herself in a way. That's interesting that she's reading novels and it makes her go in. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. But, you know, if, you, if you're going to do Madame Bovary now, she's, I don't know, she's playing playing some uh, Fortnite or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bunch of Fortnite. And, right, and, and right. There, I don't know. Yeah, it's in, yeah, dang. Yeah, that's interesting. I sometimes, I've been thinking lately about what uh i think i assume um the value of like reading and books and i and as i was reading your book i was thinking a lot about kind of what i was saying earlier about going into like getting immersed in a in a in a in an imaginative world of one of the places that they're pit stopped at and then moving on to the next one and moving on to the next one and every scenario is kind of like this weird thing where you can you're kind of putting yourself in that place um of camped out or yeah no going back i don't know but then um what what happened was last week someone asked me to to read at a at a um a, a librarian asked me to come talk at like an all girls high school um about like my book and stuff and then i got put i got sent down this whole path where i'm like I mean, it's a little different with my book, but I'm like, is my book like educational? Is, is should a book be educational? Like, but I think I think the point of different people, different types of people being writers, is an important message. But um, do you think about that? Do you think about like what you think is there is there a tangible value to to reading and books or for you? Yeah, there is, and I don't I don't put books above movies or video games or okay. or. Uh, I don't put a, a book over a, a sculpture or a painting. It's all just different mediums of art. Uh, but the thing that's explicitly, you know, why I write and why I read is because it's the most active form of art. Yeah. You have to, you're in, you're in complete one-on-one -on -one participation with the, the author. As right. the author, you have the person on the other end and you're like in collaboration and you, and they have to work. They're swimming completely upstream towards you. And you're swimming completely upstream towards them. 
So it's a one-on-one thing with each time I sit down and read a book, I feel the work that the author is doing to come towards me. And when I write a book, I'm actively coming towards the, the reader, you know? So you talk about books as an educational tool. Sometimes it is, right? and you're swimming towards them in that way. You're trying to teach them some, something important that maybe you've learned about life. And other times you're not trying to, you're not trying to educate right. at all. You're just trying to entertain. Right. So you're swimming towards them in that way. And you don't have to tell them to be telling them the truth. You don't have to be doing anything. You're just, you're just trying to, you're just trying to communicate something to them. And it changes over the course of a book so many times too. Yeah. On an emotional level, maybe you're trying to reach them on a, you're trying to convey something true about, about life that you've learned on an emotional level and not a, a um, an intellectual level so much. And sometimes it all blends together. And some of the best books I ever read, they, they do a really perfect balance of all these things, not to overthink anything, but when you read a book that's considered a, a you know, a true classic, it's usually doing a blend of everything where it, you kind of like have to step back and be almost in awe of it, you know, like, how, like, how are they balancing it all? And it's so exciting. Um, so sometimes when I like, I get just as blown away by listening to like a great album, right, but it's right. the least participating right, uh, art. Right. Right. It can be, it's designed to sometimes just be in the background and it's sometimes designed to be, you know, totally it's so loud. I can't talk to anyone uh, else that's playing in the room, but I don't have to participate with it if I don't want to. Right. So, I mean, I think I keep coming back to reading specifically because I can sit alone in a quiet room. Right. I feel like I'm close to like a prayer or meditation just by participating yeah. in you know, trying to swim upstream towards that author. Right. And it feels, it feels restorative and it feels good when I, when I come back from, you know, spending time just relaxing with, with a book and dreaming so vividly in my own imagination uh, towards coming, coming towards that author. I just feel so good where I don't feel the same way when obviously I scroll on my cell phone. Right. Yeah, I yeah, I've I think I've I've taken that yeah, hard I've taken that stance a lot where it feels something generative and something active about it. Um but at the same time I, I realize as you were saying that where I've kinda I, I, I generally tend to put like reading maybe it's as simple as like not being not being on my phone it forced me to not be on my phone yeah probably but, um yeah but but i always feel like yeah when you get lost in it and you something happens or maybe something about seeing your whole life as a smaller thing um uh, what well, that happens when i read um but um but then i also realize i often try to entertain at at a level of other art forms um, or I, maybe I have, maybe that's just the first book thing where you feel like you gotta, you gotta yell it out a little bit, um, which is not, which is, yeah, which is really, when I was reading your book, I just felt a sense of patience and like reveling in the, um, in the sentences. Um, but this must have taken a, this must have taken many iterations. How, how, where was I, you know, Annika sent me a, a little video from, from the reading last night. You just, just the beginning of your speak of your reading. Um, it had me thinking about just all the iterations of this book. I mean, 
when I hit you up in when we did our last pod, pod in 2019, that was fall of 2019 when I came over your spot. Um, I'm just curious, like what 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 the book was like then when you were still working on it with Gian. Yeah, it's it's so hard to remember what yeah. where something was when. Um, yeah, yeah. And I've always kind of been a throw away the throw away the drafts, you know. Yeah. Reg is yeah. angry with me. Cause I, I'll like be retyping teenager for like the third time or something. Damn. And she says, you know, she sees me tearing pages up, throwing them in the garbage. Cause I'm throwing away the old draft, you know? And she's yeah. like, Oh, what are you doing? You gotta save this stuff for like posterity. <laughs> yeah. I say, I really hope I don't need posterity. And, you know, I'm not going to turn my house into a museum of stuff. Yeah. Um, so like, where was it at? Where, where was it in 2019 when I was working with with Gian? What happened? The short story about um, not the short story, the abbreviated story of of the life of this book and how Gian came into it was he had read, well, I think my memoir work had just come out, and I think he'd read my novel F250. So F250 was yeah. is a um, a first person novel about when I was I think freshly 21 years old and building waterfalls in the swimming pools in New Jersey and playing in a band. Yeah. Um, he read that and then, and he read work, which is about working construction, my fam, my family, it's stories about my family, stories about meeting Ray and stories about just creativity. So all centering on me, myself and, my little approach to making art and how I kind of squeeze it into my life. F two fifties about that in a way too. So it's all kind of centered on like art making and labor. And he said, Oh, I want to put out your next book. What, what do I got to do to put out your next book? And I said, well, let's just do it. You know? So when I sent, I sent him the draft, I had a teenager, which at that point was now that I look back at it, I know that it was, and I think this was like 2017. It was pretty much an outline for like the whole novel. Yeah. So it had like from Cody's point of view, telling the whole story. And it was in first person telling the whole story from, you know, the, the opening of the book opens up with the shooting and opened up with the shooting. And it went all the way to its conclusion. Now, how you read the book. Yeah. And it was slim. It was maybe like a hundred and, 25 pages or something, 130 pages. It was a slim novella. Yeah. And uh, he was like, let's do this. You know, and we started working on the book. Um, I think he was living in Italy at the time. And he said, well, I'm going to be in New York in like three or four months. Let's get together and we'll, we'll talk about some, some ideas on how we can edit it. So right then I was like, all right, cool. Um, and I just went and I started working on something else. It was the first time in my life where I really had, I was at the foot of this process that I always wanted to get involved in with. I felt like I didn't, I was always interested in learning what I could from other people about, you know, especially editing yeah, editing work and developing work. And I never kind of found um, somebody who was like all in on doing that. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to learn so much. So it was like, it just all I could do was go and work on another project for a while. 
and then when we got together finally after those months it was you know love love the whole arc of the book thought it was amazing thought there was some work to do and just pretty much you know said this is amazing we're going to do this but you know this isn't it yet dog pretty much yeah 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 <laughs> and it's that's that's sometimes that's the most helpful thing you can ever hear just like yeah it's great it's not there yet let's yeah. You know, do he was like, go read. He gave me a little list of books to read. Yeah. I think it was like, I can't quite remember which ones, but go read these books. Go, go do your thing on this, and we'll get together again when I'm back in America. It's no rush. I want to get this right. Damn, so we kind of kept doing that. Yeah. And, <laughs> Yo, that's know, how that's how my process was too, bro. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to explain to people where they're like, yeah. Well, what? How does that make somebody a great editor? Right. And you're like, well, I guess you had to be there. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Um, but I, I would, then if, you know, he would leave and I would work on my next draft of teenager for a while, for a couple months, and I would yeah. send it to him. And then he would say, cool, I'm going to read this. I'm going to mark it up and I'll be back in America in four months or something. Exactly. And we'll get to every season. Yeah. And so it was great. And then I would have, all right, cool. So I know now I have, three or four months after I was even done with doing the work I had to do to it to show Gion, then I would, I would just have all this time where nothing was happening. Yeah. Back to work on my other projects. You know, I wrote a whole novel while I was just waiting for edits pretty much. Um, Good luck was called and it went up on nervous breakdown. That's right. I was watching those as they came out. Yeah. And that's all just the first draft, you know, but that, that went up and you know, you just keep, because you're right. That's what you do. So you just keep working on these projects and, and time just goes by and you know, you look back at it after a while and you're like, Holy shit, we worked on that for like two years. That's crazy. And uh, all these other things happened in the meantime and you continue to grow and learn all kinds of new stuff. And then the good thing is you can bring it to the project and you become better at just writing in general and reading in general, because you've been working at it and focused on it. And it just feels so good to have somebody who wants to work on the thing with you and doesn't want to give up on it, you know? Yeah. So maybe I would turn it over for, I think by the third time I turned it into Gian, he was like, wow, this is, this has changed a lot. It's getting better, I think. And he said, well, maybe we're making it worse. And I, <laughs> I couldn't really tell. We couldn't really tell if we were doing good work or bad work. You know, you kind of just get in them the middle of it and and you're like oh man i don't really well we're doing something here yeah um, and he had given now by this point i think he'd given me like he printed it all out and hand edited so i hand me the whole stack of papers so i had to go through the novel um just page by page and you know delete what he crossed out and i think i'd had some experience by this point with track changes and stuff where you know you get the novel from other editors or whatever right. and you're like all right just accept 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 you know right right now he's got this pile of papers and i'm like looking at my my document on the computer and i'm like inputting the edits by hand and it was so much it was so much slower and more meticulous but it was you know you could like you pretty much should should do what the edits say you know this sentence is crossed out and you're looking at it and you're thinking about it and you're like but that sense is really important to me or whatever yeah so i don't know you're kind of just like one-on-one with the edits whereas like in track changes i can just hit reject on everything or accept on right. everything 
And that's when I started thinking that uh, I ought to get a little closer to the, the book and retype the whole book with, with the edits, you know, so sat, sat down and printed it all out and was able just to really get away from, uh, just to get away from it a little bit and retype the whole thing from top to bottom. Yeah. And it seems, uh, yeah, that, yeah, it seems simple, but that's, that's, that's like, even as I try to work on my next scene now, like that, that, um, that, that uh, outlook of, or just that, that insistence on like the, the physical text was something, you know, um, I does something in the editing process with, with Gion, you know, where it was like, print it, bind it, decide that it's it, you know, because Gian did that to me so many times too. He said, this ain't it yet. Um, yeah. Here are some parts, but like, make, just take your time, make it, you know, and then all the work happens in the absence between those, those checks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and I didn't feel like I was writing it to really ever like impress or like, you know, you just kind of like have to start looking at the, the book when you, when you, when you get feedback like that, where it's like, right. It's like, oh man, this advice would probably kill a normal person. You know, yeah. you work on this thing for the, these many months, and then you turn it in, and then you hear, oh, well, this ain't it. I don't even know if what you did made it better or worse. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you really need to just take your time and go back and like think about what you've done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Think about what you've done. <laughs> go think about what you've done and come back. Yeah. Go uh, think about what you did here. Yeah. So we did that a bunch of times, and and it was just like. Um, you guys ever have any fights? No, we didn't. Okay. We we kind of get to, we get together, and we could be here. And and I don't take this stuff too seriously. Yeah, I, you know, I don't get too beat up by rejections or or whatever. I was just you know the the, the initial thing was well I know why I'm here, working with this person because I want to learn what I can from them, and you don't really learn what you think you're going to learn, right. um, but you can learn something from every everybody. And so it was just such a gift working with him um, because we talk about, talk about things and, and you almost kind of have to just kind of chase, like with anyone though, you kind of have to come towards what they want to give you, you know, like yeah. talking about different books or movies or why this is good. And, and when you hear somebody like talk about something passionate and you can talk to them one-on-one -on -one about why, why that excites them. And yeah, my uh, connection just froze up again. Yeah, if you yeah. talk about like why they're gen genuinely moved by something, um, you can learn a lot from them, yeah, but you have yeah. to like be open and, and really trying. Um, so it's just been like a series of self studies forever. And eventually every once in a while coming towards somebody who was farther down the path than me and seeing what I can learn from them and treating them like a new professor. You know, I've had all kinds of professors along the way who weren't affiliated with any kind of real classroom. Yeah. Classroom of just life, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess it worked out differently, does. But for me, I, I think, or it worked, or it just everything. You know, I guess I actually maybe worked similarly with us um, in their own way. But I, I feel like there's something to that with, um, like, a patience and like a reverence for like, or or maybe a respect for like what the actual. Um, um, act of publishing something is where you know I, I think when when Gian first got back to me I was like so impatient I was so impatient I see that a lot an impatience to publish um, yeah well yeah that's what it is because it's like you know 
I mean, I, I don't think I, I don't think it's right for me to ever, ever think of, sometimes I get asked the question where it's like, wow. So this, you know, and I've heard this for almost every book that comes out, you know, I've had throughout the years. And it's funny because people have said to me, wow. So maybe this is the book that's going to come out and then you won't have to work anymore. I'm like, what yeah. are you doing? Like, what do you think this, you know? Right. Do you think I'm just, I'm writing book because I hate my life or something? Right. Right, you know right. that I, I'm living this fantasy of breaking away from what I, right. what I, what I, the people I care about and what I do for a living, but um, so like the, the push would seem like um, you know it's like the, this fantasy of the artistic life where it's like you got a lottery ticket here, right. you know, oh if if I you know if every year and a half I have a new lottery ticket, there's more of a chance of you know changing your. Uh, your pursuit in life, but the truth is, you know, what ha- what it really boils down to is you have to figure out some kind of way to be happy and all that downtime in between. Yeah. And you can't live, a, you know, a miserable life of complete struggle. Um, and like the whole time hoping that, oh, if I, if I write this one faster, then maybe I can possibly get out of the hole I've dug in my own existence. Right. It's just like, if the, you know, the book's, no matter what you do, the book's going to take forever. Yeah, uh, yeah it really is. Cause you know, yeah. you start sometimes I've had projects where I've been writing them for seven, eight, nine, some of them, 10 years. And you just keep coming back to it again and again. And um, it, it's so easy to forget how long it's taken. Yeah. And, and I think that's what happens. That's what happens after a while when you, when, or that happened for me, I think when it was like, this don't even got to come out. You know, like I, sometimes that was Gio's energy where it's like, it's still even got to come out. Like we got, you know, like it's, it's got to, I don't know, something's got to be aligned. And then, and then you just completely put your head down and you start like loving the process of like, I don't know. I remember when I, when I got sent to the copy editor of Little Brown and I was like, no, there's no typos. <laughs> I was like, I'm sure there's no typos. And I think there was like 10, but I just, it's because I don't know. I started to, I, I don't know. I almost didn't think it was going to come out. Um, and I just kept working on it and it was like trying to create this, I don't know, but, but publishing to me see, now seems, seems kind of terrifying, but maybe not for you. No, I'm just kind of, no. Nah. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, no one's going to give me too hard of a time, I think, because it's just, a little, a little book about two people in love. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dang, Remember dang. everything just to its basis uh, elements, but it's like, uh, you know, they're like, ah, oh, we'll leave that, we'll leave that dad alone. You know, I'm not a father, but you know, we'll leave that that old <laughs> and in the jean shorts and white New Balances mowing his lawn. We'll leave him alone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Different no, books have different yeah. d- different destinies. Different destinies. No, but I, 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 you know, when I was reading it, it did it did feel like um, a little bit. Uh, is, what's the word? Anachronistic or from a different time, kind of. Um, but obviously, with your your voice that I know so well, like from talking to you, but like in terms of the epicness of it, and like it felt like like one like like the novels we're talking about. You know what I mean? These like. Yeah, it's really ambitious and and it's really nice to read something that's published now that feels like one of those novels, you know what I mean? 
yeah, it's hard to, you know, to reverse engineer any of that. It's kind of like, I don't know why a book like, you know, Mrs. Dalloway or, or a book like, I'm trying to think like Norwood by Charles Portis or Absalom Absalom by Faulkner. I don't think my book is in the league with these, but I'm, you know, Madame Bovary. It's completely not in the same league, obviously. I don't think that late in August, another Faulkner one, but it's kind of like these books that kind of feel like they, they definitely, they feel like they're kind of carved into stone tablets in a way. For sure. And it's mine, a time. It's a time you put in. Yeah, it's that time. It's yeah. that time. Like there's just no, there's no rush, and I'm okay with, you know, spending two months going through it on the laptop again, only to print it out and then retype it on my typewriter and read it out loud to my wife, and then you know retype it again on the typewriter, only to type it back into the laptop. It's just like whatever. What by any means necessary, this project's going to get done. And I want to make it in such a way that I'm, I know I'm willing to do 20 drafts of this thing. I think that's a, that's a difference between like novels and other forms of art too. It's like, you can just keep coming back to it again and again, and you don't have to be a genius. You just kind of have to dump your life into it. It's a workman, it's a workman like attitude towards it and over, over time. And you know, I I really loved like sometimes I, I just loved, um, how, um, you would do a thing where, I mean, you do a thing where you pull up to a new place and you would do these long epic paragraphs sort of describing the new place they were at. And um, you just are, were able to toggle between like, there are some sentences that are so beautiful and, and literary and like sonically pristine. And then you would also, but always having your voice right there like I think there was one part I'm trying to find it right now but I don't think I'll be able to but you I think it was maybe you were pulled up to a new spot and you're describing all the trees oh here I found it oh yeah that's when you first pull up to Oregon and you're going in you're saying like hello this you're you're describing all the different all the different rivers and the rocks and the trees and the snow peak mountains hi we see you <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and it's like Does I that think that makes uh, sense. What I was saying. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Let me give me a sec. I'm gonna go get the book. I'm gonna read that. Yo, we see, we see you, Snow Peak Mountains. Yeah, you should read that part. I like that part. Let me find. Oh, should I just close the book like an idiot? Yeah, I think it was around three fifty. Um, oh, it's right here. It's three fifty one. Damn, I almost got it on the spot. On the spot. I would just never think to go in on a, I don't know. Sorry, I just ran out of the room. I went to go get the. Uh... Oh, I was saying it's 351. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. And, and it's just like, I would never think to go in on a, I don't know. I just liked how some of the epic things you were doing. Page 351. Let me see. I'll read it. I'll read it here for everybody. So, hello, Oregon. Hello to your canyon, stupid with majestic fatso evergreens and meandering rivers doing whatever they want, carving new passages through the continuing, through the continuous rock wall of history, eroding every day, becoming something new and not yet named. Hello, domain of soaring hawks, you make it look so easy. Hello, moss and ferns and ferns, and drizzly shadow of the Cascade Range. Those two tall snow peaked mountains, hi, we see you. 
but Cody and Teal didn't have to worry about a true freeze. At their present elevation, low of 40 Fahrenheit and three inches of snow, projected December, January, all the way to Valentine's Day. Hello, raincoats and sweaters. It's too beautiful here. The crushing vastness of it, the staggering littleness of one's miniature existence. Hello, it's exactly what they've both been searching for. Person could breathe easy there. She saw he wasn't worried anymore. And shows she stopped worrying herself. Cody should have known to come here all along. End of the Oregon Trail or close to it. How had he missed it? Um, love yeah. That. Love that. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, driving up that driving up that coast up to Oregon too. Something happens when you get over. Yeah, there. I guess in writing that way, in that kind of affected way, um, it's kind of trying to reflect how exciting it feels to see those things for the first time. Yeah. Um, there's a part in the book where they go to the Grand Canyon for the first time and they're like so blown away by it. But their their guide, he's lives on at the lip of the Grand Canyon his whole life. And he's fantasizing about the people he sees looking from a different vantage point, a group of tourists. And he's thinking about wherever they're from, which is just some city somewhere, anywhere. And it's so exciting for him to imagine, you know, getting away to somewhere that's not the Grand Canyon. So it's all just wanting something that you don't have something new yeah and seeing something new for the first time that's that's what um i don't know i think that's a good outlook for what can make a make writing exciting make a novel exciting it's imagining or i think about that sometimes you know you don't describe things you don't think to describe things unless you're seeing it for the first time and obviously with these with these kids are seeing everything for the first time yeah and when you're when you're like in the process of writing a book and you're you've been telling this story for five years and you've retyped it you've retyped the thing four times and you think well you know i don't think i have to do that anymore i'm so close to it now i'm so close to the end but the whole way you're still trying to preserve that excitement so sometimes the writing you have to or i have to anyway i have to find poetry inside it that that makes me feel excited to keep going and reworking a paragraph to making it into like some kind of sweeping poem just because otherwise I don't want to type it up you know yeah um, I don't want to retype this thing for the fifth time the way it is Dang. I know it's not uh, it's not exciting me anymore and each time I wanted to to do that are you typing into a word doc or how are you doing it different different ways just whatever like I said, I like to work on my typewriter. Sometimes I have right. a, I have like a, a retyped, typewritten version of this, and it's just good because I get away from the laptop and I have just a stack of paper and I'm in some room and just redoing it all for a couple of weeks like that, yeah. and that's nice. But then of course that has to then get retyped back into the laptop, which would seem annoying, but it's not because you know, you kind of you you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Where it's like oh, those steps cool. are good those steps yeah. are good Read. yeah and not breaking it down into logical progressions but um <clears throat> you know so i worked on this with Gion for a while and then the pandemic kind of came around and we uh we just kind of went as far as we could i guess and uh then it seemed like you know we weren't really sure what actually was going to happen with the press anymore yeah exactly you know, so there was some some things going on with with Tyrant Books, and 
the pandemic was going on and it just seemed like we weren't really sure what, like, not that there needed to be a timeline, right. but it just kind of came to a point where it was like, I don't know if this is going to be able to come out. I don't, he didn't know what was going to happen at all yeah. with going forward. And there was some kind of like, <clears throat> always optimistic viewpoints on what was going to happen with, with the press and everything. And, and, uh, you know, we agreed to just, well, we did what we could. Let's work on a different one in the future and we'll see what happens, you know? And so the book started to float around again. Um, seems so strange. Yeah. And it was, uh, wound up in the hands of, um, the edit, the final editor of teenager, Todd Portnovitz. And, uh, we worked on it for a couple more drafts after, after Gian worked on it and, and, uh, you know, it changed again. Um, a lot of things were undone. Uh, I did with Gian. Well, I had to re rewrite it anyway, retype yeah. it again. But a lot of the things that me and Gian weren't sure if we were ruining it. Uh, I talked to talk to Todd about it, and and he would say, "Oh man, you know what would have been really great here if they had did something like this." And I said, "Oh man, well that was in that was three drafts ago. That was three right, drafts I mean, ago. <laughs> it wasn't right to it to." to Gian at that time you know I hadn't yeah. like it wasn't it wasn't working when I showed it to him you know and it wasn't it was so it was actually a lot of re retyping the book yet again but putting back in some of these some of these ideas and set pieces and and uh different things on the journey that kind of went back went back into it um so a lot of making an art project is that stuff too yeah I've, I've had it happen to me so many times it's happening to me right now yeah, with my and book. And then I found the old draft and I was like, oh, I took that out for some reason. Yeah. And and you need to kind of reconceptualize what the thing you took out and right, exactly. You, know, you have to it's not it's not super easy to to see it from a bird. You have to you have to right. be the bird to see the bird's eye view and to get right. to that point, you have to really work at it for like a long time, work on the project for a long time and almost kind of get um not numb to what's happening, but yeah, you have to be willing to take the, the lid off of it, spill everything on the floor and say nothing's secret in this book. Right. They had just dissolve the ego from it and say, well, you know, they don't need to do this. They don't need to do that. Right. I don't care if this book comes out next summer or 10 years from now, right. but it's all got to be in harmony. Yeah. So. Yeah. Something about that is trying to spill it out. And then, but then you have to sit with it long enough to step back to see it as yeah there's something about that too about your outlook like it comes up in the book too where it's like that I felt ever since I first reached out to you and you first were down to talk and where it's nothing sacred in it but then like it's also sacred <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah yeah I have to look at things as you, as, you, you need to say it's, it's not a big deal for us yeah. to talk about books you should come over to my house and talk but then by saying you should come over to my house and talk we sit down for an hour and talk they're saying you're a sign you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i think that's how i have to approach stuff i have that's to a say really helpful outlook to people to have. i have to say you know the whole time especially sit, you know sharing my work with people and stuff um it's totally cool to get negative reviews flash that you know Right. You told no, that's fine. It's right. it's okay. Because yeah. it's just this thing I do 
to express myself. And it's, it's going to be, a, it's totally cool if, if it doesn't jive with somebody. Or like my my goals were so low. It was even like um, when Gian reached out and wanted to work together on a book, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, this is so, so wild to me. Um, so I think that was one of the first times I really got solicited from right. someone right. Um, on a project. I'm trying to think if that's true. But I, but I remember I thought about it as like, well, whatever happens, um, I from day one, I always figure whatever project I'm working on, it's never going to come out. It's never going to get complete or it's going to get complete and something's going to happen in my life or in the, the publisher. I always just expect it all to fall apart. And I'm just like, well, I'm just going to squeeze whatever I can out of this and try to like learn from it because it really doesn't matter. It's like right now, you know, teenager finally came out, it came out with vintage. Yeah. And uh, it's being published tomorrow. And I know you hear this. I hear this from, artists all the time where they always oh, i don't think it's really going to come out or whatever yeah and i get i guess it actually is coming out coming out bro. Cool. it's coming yeah. out it is cool but but the thing is like you know if this book just does terrible and it's a real big disappointment and the publisher doesn't want to do anymore and and the my my dear friend um mike mongello who you know he's he's the one he's sold this book to todd yeah portman edited it and if these guys are just like they get their asses nothing will happen to mongello he's just a he's the you know the agent but if like the editor they're like no more it is bud smith guy yeah <laughs> yeah and i don't need to do any more with with this great team of people i worked with on this that's okay because really what i like to do is sit in my room and peck away at the, my typewriter or whatever For and sure. uh, doesn't matter if another one comes out till after I'm dead. Yeah. All these other projects, it doesn't matter if, if any if they come out or or whatever. No, and it will just be announce it fully for it to come back. Yeah. Come back and around. You kind of have to just, I only look I just look forward to I got my head in the clouds all the time and I'm always excited to, you know, on lunch break, kind of run over to the work truck, sit in it, and I get to work on my story for the day. Yeah. How's your work going? You've been you've been putting some time, or you've been? Yeah, yeah, I've been uh, working pretty steady for. Uh, I'm trying to think, the last time I really had some time off, it's kind of been like six months of going in every day and um, just working eight hours a day. But we've been uh, rewelding these butane spheres that um, they hold a couple million gallons of butane. Oh snap! Drain them out. We've been making them earthquake proof. So we have to put these yeah. giant little beams leg to leg. Not like we're going to have a big earthquake in New Jersey, but they got to make them all earthquake proof. And Damn. You, know, you, you cut the nozzles out and the steel, the shell is like an inch thick. So you, you know, you cut it out with an arc gouge and torch it. Damn. So you're just welding shit. Yeah. And then you got to bevel. You have to bevel them and put the new nozzles in. And there's a whole welding procedure you follow. And, you know, every step of the way, you know, you tack these things in the inspectors, they come and look at it. Damn. Okay. You're clear to go. And then you weld a little bit more and then they, they test it. And, and it just feels good to have this, uh, this, this process at work where everything's broken down in these steps, there's all, all these hold points. And I think of writing the same exact way. Yeah. You know, I have like, I know my goal at work for the day besides that labor is like right now I'm working on a novella that's going to be um at the end of my next book if, if you know like i said if it comes out yeah but the um 
the novella is it's like a hundred page story at the end of the short story collection. And um, I just know that my whole point on this thing is type a really shitty draft of it on my cell phone, yeah. uh, beat by beat, 1200 words at a time. Typing it out with my thumbs, and I don't have to do the best job, but I just have to kind of reach that. I got to get to that first through that first part of the process. It's like a mechanical action almost. Yeah, it's mechanical action. So then I have, just like I got to call the inspector, <laughs> call the inspectors to come look at my exactly. step one of the welding <laughs> process. Now I got to take those things I typed out with my thumb and email all to myself and print it out and read it, and I can say, oh man, look yeah. at this look at this garbage here you know inspector Gian pulling up to the work site like yeah saying it this welding's off but yeah run, that, run ain't it back. that ain't it dog retorch it that's ain't it g yeah. this ain't it chief not yet not yet cut it out you know oh yeah i know the funny thing you know with with writing there's endless ways to do it right and with you know my my dumb little welding job there's only one way to do it right there's the blueprint there's no blueprint for the for right. The, right for the, How, how's your coworkers? Uh, they read your books. Yeah, they do. Yeah, some of them, some of them are, have read a few a few different ones. That's what's up. Nice. Damn. Damn. Yeah. Um. Yeah, my one one think my first novel from back in the day. Oh, say that again. I just, I guess I cut out. I can see on my computer computer it says you know your internet is unstable so oh, i stopped okay. talking for a minute oh, okay but, um yeah my one co-worker he just read my first novel toll booth and uh i think the i think these some of these guys are picking up teenager nice i think some of them will probably listen to the audiobook driving down the highway that's what's up um yeah man well that's that's great to hear you out here um out here working um I think I I think something's happening with me where yeah it's something about that like you know I think when I when I first started talking to you and that was just so that was so formative for me reading work while I was moving to New York City and had to be working um, all the time and getting stuff down in that mechanical way in your gaps in your time and it's it's different now and also like re-reminding myself i don't know you you know you 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 have a way you have a zen way of moving like that of kind of this like consistent action but then also renunciation of of, of the whole thing and i don't know you know i i'm sure everyone's booked up you know everyone's books can be received differently but i think something happened in the months where i'm last past few months where i'm i'm re-reminding myself that it is just a shitty mechanical draft that you're getting down that's how i did the last one too you know but um it's hard sometimes hard not to get um yeah well it's it, sometimes it should feel like oh i already did this i know how to do this now right and you know you come back to it and it's like sucks you know you have to fucking <laughs> redo right. it and redo it again and that's the uh that's the pro that's one of the problems with you know writing a long long pro- process of writing a, a novel especially i think it's like you don't really get better at it uh, I don't, I never got better at it because I know all the labor it's just going to take me. Uh, and maybe, maybe other writers are different. I got like a, I think about all well, some of the marketing around some of this shit. And sometimes that's all it is. It's like, oh, Faulkner sat down in six weeks and wrote this. Yeah. He did. I guess he did. You know, 
Yeah. Kerouac sat down and banged it out in three weeks. And yeah, maybe he did. Maybe he did. But then, (laughs) but then, you you know, you hear the real reports. I'll actually took him seven years to write on the road. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's just kind of like this marketing campaign that you're supposed to believe somebody is a genius and there are a lot of geniuses, but I think the time is usually distorted and kind of fibbed about in a way because it's, it's, it's a better story for the people to write up in the newspaper you know well that's another thing that you have adamant feeling about or you have adamant energy about which is like yeah that whole idea of like making yourself into some like you know genius or people who are writing you ought to be got to be like you know like i don't know i've always felt that from you where you have just like uh kind of like you're not clinging to some idea yourself that you're trying to put forth and especially now, I think that's like really important. Yeah, I try not to. I mean, uh, I talk. To, it seems like I always have to talk about. Uh, I do it to myself just because I should just try not to make my my day into this precious thing. Um, and I always seem to be talking about all oh, my lunch breaks, blah blah blah. I'm writing on my phone in the machine shop, but it's just what's what I can do, what I can squeeze into the day, and that just happens to be it. Yeah, uh, you're talking about maybe maybe your life changed a little bit and you got to, maybe you got away from working for right now yeah. or maybe forever working like kind of hustling around job. And I'd like that to happen too for me yeah, uh, in a way, but not because I don't like doing what I do just, but I think life should change right. and there should be some new experiences along the way. And I, I don't want to be uh, just repeating the same thing over and over again. I want life to be like a, surprise and journey and sometimes not for the best either you know things, yeah. things should change and accumulation i don't know i because I, I, I moved so much um growing up and often with my siblings and stuff i think because of how we grew up we have like a tendency to be doing something living somewhere for a minute and then like i got i have this my older sister sometime and then suddenly it's like okay i'm i'm not doing this anymore We're going completely um into something else you know and then I often get but but I but I but I want to um so I have like a maybe like a built-in wired in tendency to do that but I want to like kind of think of every next thing you do as like an accumulation of what you did before so I I don't know I've honestly been you know I still get calls for jobs out here but oftentimes because I haven't been going consistently they're like the four-day overnights I'm yeah, yeah. Soft now, almost soft. I'm not trying to go to the Nike store from fucking 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. for four nights in a row <laughs> to redo a damn shoe rack, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but I also like I don't know, man. It's it, it's like I think of the wave I was on or the energy I was on um, when I was writing. You know, I, I don't know. I want to. I want to. I want to accumulate. I want. I want to try to work on on some land or something or. Yeah. I don't know. I got to, you know, I have to start doing stuff. Even it's like almost like the organization of your space and your life is like actually the, 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 the foreplay to writing (laughs) the pre, the pre-work to writing, you know, it happens all the time for me. Just today I heard, uh, I woke up from my little nappy, took my little nappy, nappy poo and woke up around like eight 30. Um, we were doing this at 9 PM, woke up at eight 30 and, uh, you know, right. Ray was telling me she applied for a job, a different job. And, you know, she's been going in into the city here um, for 15 years going in. 
And every once in a while, she'll she'll apply for some some job down in Florida or something or Texas or whatever. Yeah. And we're just ready to like upheave our our lives and just yeah. try to do something different. Nice. And most of her, she works in textiles. She designs, you know, a lot of textile stuff. So like, a lot of her industry is right here. But every once in a while, it it all could like upheave, and we could go do something else. And she winds up getting another job in New York City, just because that's where they are. Yeah. You know. But uh, today, she applied for a really great job for her. One she's excited about. That's remote. So we'll see, you know, if she works remote, then I think the next thing that'll happen is we wind up living somewhere where I have a little yard I go and sit in. I have a driveway. I'm not fighting the city, city, uh, parking on the street every day, fighting the street sweeper. Exactly, bro. Fighting the street sweeper. Modest, a modest house somewhere where I can light a fire in the backyard every night Man, and do that. And it's the little, small, little tiny dreams like that, that are manageable, just like manageable working on your writing project or working on your welding job. There's just little tiny steps to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I see people all the time who are destroyed by their ludicrous dreams, yeah. you know? People I know who are like, they wouldn't be happy living in a little bungalow house. They want to, oh, you know, need this giant place. And then they have the boat. Then they have, it just never ends. The dirt bikes, the motorcycles, all this shit that you're just like endlessly yeah. somehow paying for. And you like lose your ability to, have your head in the clouds anymore because you've made this all these things you have to babysit right you know you gotta can't say no to things you gotta forever be chasing money yeah i mean obviously that's not a good way to live yeah yeah i don't know if i told you yeah when i when i first read work i, I didn't know even how i could have a because i had a big ass man back then i didn't even know how i didn't even know understand how street sweeping worked and I just moved to New York City, so I was like reading their book as a as a manual for how to. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you could just park it across the street and leave it there. I didn't realize that. I remember the first week I pulled that was, up, yeah. driving I think, through the Bronx. I'm like, maybe the Bronx has parking. I was driving a box van through the Bronx in the summer. Like, nope, same rules. Same rules, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I remember sometimes I would drive when I and uh, work. That's when I was living on 173rd Street in, oh, yeah. in Heights in New York City. And, you know, you're always, obviously you're always fighting around for a parking spot. And then I remember there was some kind of like reading happening or something down in, in Brooklyn where I, I drove down there and all of a sudden I, there was parking lots in, in the city, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can park under the BQE or something. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Holy shit. I can yeah. just, I mean, I may leave my car here overnight and if I don't come back in a day or two, you know, there's a chance someone will break into it, but it's going to still be there most likely, especially since my car is not good enough to steal. Yeah. But the idea of like in the city, I can like leave my car somewhere for a little while and not worried about it. It's amazing. That's a novelty. Yeah. I think that's probably why where I live now. I live way south in the damn sixties in Brooklyn. <laughs> Cause it's yeah. like, it's like the burbs out here. Yeah. Um, down. But, um, yeah, well, I'm I'm stoked this book's gonna be out in the world. Um, circuitous path, like many books seem to have, like my book had too. Um, yeah, pretty you know, sick, man. Yeah, you 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 see the meandering path everything takes, and for your next for your next one, I'm sure you're working on. Um, I don't think they all have to be such a uh, a strange uphill journey that takes years and years. And I hope your next book doesn't 
doesn't do that to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it does happen. You just kind of, you can just kind of get it in a couple drafts or whatever. And it's just as good as if you did 50 drafts of it. Yeah. Yeah. That does happen. Yeah. I guess, I mean, shoot, I guess only one way to find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Happen. But you ever read, uh, you ever read Catcher in the Rye? I just read nine stories for the first time. No um, way. Yeah. And I was amazing, you know, cause I had just read, um, the brothers Karamazov Dostoevsky. Okay. And I kept thinking about, um, in, in brothers K there's these characters that are there. Some of them are like almost like orphans or something. Yeah. And the book kind of ends on this big, uh, this big sweeping part with these, these children who are, you know, their friend, their school chum friends. And they're, it just reminded me so much of Rushmore in a way. You know, the Wes Anderson film. The movie, it reminds yeah, yeah, yeah. Rushmore. And then, you know, that uh, that obviously reminds me of Catcher in the Rye. I think it all kind of comes from a Dostoevsky thing in Brothers K. Maybe uh, I'm not a historian, but it's, I, I read it and I, the whole time I was like, how the fuck, how is that in here? How, how am I all of a sudden reading Salinger right. in the, in this, in this Dostoevsky novel? It's uh, so strange. And maybe it all comes from Dickens or something in a different way. Maybe it's translated into Russian and turns into Salinger down the road, but, or maybe it's just all inherently when you write about precocious children and there's only right. one really capture them and it's just capturing life and it's translated right. in different languages and it's, it has to be quirky because kids are quirky and precocious. Quirky. Yeah. And then also, yeah, it's interesting. Cause like I, I, I torched this over the past week too. Um, I had already read it. Like I had read it in high school and like, I think yeah, I read it a few times in high school. Yeah. I remember. yeah. It would be just be laying around, and that's one of yeah. the books. That I, it never was assigned to me. I don't think. I don't think right. I ever got assigned to me. But you know, you would see the English, the books from other English classes, and, right? And I read all those that were laying around. Yeah, even. it was. But I ran it back now, not like knowing all the places in New York that he's referencing. Um, and it, I guess, it reminded me of of this kind of like outsider, precocious kid who can't like. Yeah, totally. You know, like you said that earlier about the outset. I think there's something about that too. I've been trying to think of these things that are like primordial, like not like craft things of how to like what, what's what's interesting to read, but like sort of like primordial like story arc, like narrator archetypes or something. Um, yeah, for real. I mean, there. And your book too. Of these there's only so many stories. Yeah, there's only so many types of stories that are told and they just they keep repeating. Teenage is one of those stories with like the content does that on purpose. It calls back to, you know, a cycle of violence and American myth that kind of keeps self-perpetuating itself. Right. But um, like where does what are other books that are, are that are like that? It's like, of course, you got, you know, like Huckleberry Finn or something right. where, you know, I I guess even the like the adventures of tom sawyer it's just this kid who's just like a little asshole who's you know it it's almost like we can we can let it we can let a child get away with more because they don't you know oh they don't know better right or 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 something happened with them and you learn that later because that's another thing with Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, the Catcher in the Rye. When when that happened, when you learned his like brother died, and then that gnarly thing where one of his classmates like uh, jumped out the window, right? And then like, and 
and that's a little bit of how I was thinking about the arc of my, of my book too, where it's like, he's like, awesome. but then you learn later why he's like how he is, you know? I thought that was an interesting idea of, of an arc. Anyway, um, but then I also, yeah, it was a lot more, it was a lot more heavy and kind of gnarly. I was thinking about my, my younger self reading that, but. Um, yeah, I totally catch on the ride. It's also funny too, he's been abused, catch on the right. ride. And like, and maybe, like you know, yeah, he's maybe been molested by his this this one older man in Catcher in the Rye yeah, teacher. Exactly. He's been, you know, and so you you kind of like have to. I think sometimes there's the Catcher in the Rye pushback. Oh, he's such a little at you know he's such a little jerk off this kid. Blah blah blah. Right. Sure he is, sure he is. But when you know, if you read all the subtext, you can kind of figure out right why why people push back from from their lives in, in different ways and uh nine stories was great like that too and you should read nine stories if you have yeah yeah I'm, I'm i've read a few of those but i'm about to torch that and then franny and zoe too i got yeah um it's kind of funny i'm going back to these like yeah trying to see how these guys did it yeah well yeah i mean he's he's an amazing writer you know the more you i learned about his existence in the real world i was like wow this guy's yes. really really up. but it's always like well you know i think most most artists i know are, are messed up most people i know when you get to know them they're messed up in one way or another so i don't give excuses for any of this stuff but it's like it's like well shit man this guy this guy's a real fucking bad person, you know yeah this guy's just us um <laughs> uh, damn well, I'm sure the yeah, um, I figure out, yeah, I figure we could probably uh, wind it down soon. Um, um, yeah, hopefully we can have, uh, I'm sure there'll be, be more events, more things. Um, yeah, yeah, there's just going to be, I'm sure there's going to be more things popping up, floating around. I'm just starting to hear, my experience with like books in the past, you know, I never had anybody kind of do things before it was coming yeah. out. You know, so this was like a little different where all of a sudden there was like, you know, things being set up beforehand and right. like, you know, interviews and stuff beforehand. But usually it's like a book would come out. I think I've had like, it's funny too, like the other day I was clicking on the internet and, you know, just in my notifications ping and I was like, oh, cool. I'm on some list or something. Like, What is this? Yeah. Oh, oh, shit the most anticipated debut books and i'm like i'm, I'm, Yo, reading, I'm laughing at this time. this is my like 10th book you turn you know? in bro <laughs> but i finally i finally made it i'm a debut I'm on, I'm on this list and i'm looking at it and i'm like man this is hilarious um but i've seen I've, i have seen some you know my books going out of print with small presses and they right. close up and and they do kind of like come back to you and you have to make a decision like ah, shit, am I going to try to get that back in print, you know? Yeah. Um, so sometimes maybe if, if I was, if I, if, if I had been just a little later, maybe all my other books would have been out of print anyway. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe author again. But this is like the first time where it's been, uh, you know, people reaching out and they want to interview and do, you know, stuff ahead of time. Um, yeah. Strangers, I'm saying we know each other, we're friends, yeah. but uh, the strangers, you know, want to do this stuff. And usually it's like the book comes out, 
and there's that really awkward, stressful first month where, you know, you worked on something for three, four years or whatever, and it comes out and it's just radio silence. Right. Because people are reading it, you know? And I'm always, I was always like, oh shit, well, this is the one where no one, no one's going to say anything and it's just going to disappear into the ether. So it's been strange, like seeing, um, you know, the requests come in to talk about it and people read it before, you know, it was officially published and stuff. And uh, I don't know, it's new. It's new for me. That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I enjoy it. I, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was kind of, kind of glowed up, kind of beamed up, killing the last 30 pages walking around today. Um, I read, I don't know. I've been, I've been reading, I've been reading it bit by bit over months. It's really nice. It was really nice. Um, I remember when the first time I read it, the end of it to Ray, not, not quite the, uh, the last, the last scene of it. I hadn't read that part to her, but it was like, I was, um, I was reading, uh, I guess I hadn't had that. It was in an earlier draft. And I guess I put the end ending ending of the book yeah. back in there. Okay. Um, later on, but I remember I read her the, oh, I don't baby. know about too much about it, but the yeah. started like crying, you know, and I was like, Oh, cool. Oh, that, like that, that, too, man. that was like, good. All right. It evoked a real strong emotion. And she was like, just crying. And then I was like, cool you like that and she's like no it was fucking terrible you have to take that out you have to oh and i was like oh shit you know and um you know so i was like you know then you got to figure out if i was like oh my god i I didn't really mean to like make somebody feel so shitty you know and uh yeah they had a long long journey and Damn, you know? and it ended, it ended with my wife in tears and saying how fucking terrible it was and oh. <laughs> it was it's good to hear that you know i mean i thought it was it was yeah. weirdly yeah go ahead my bad i cut you off no not at all but it's you know it's cool when you you know you get some kind of reaction and it's not uh a, you know a hap- the happiest response you know something something's happening exactly. I, i've had experiences with some books where i've gotten to the end and i've just been like so pissed off not that the book was bad but i was just like man this is fucking how life is isn't it yes well that's what it is it's how life is yeah it's like this just reminds me of how it really is and it i I wish it couldn't i wish it could be uh, you know the the disney happy ending but it sucks that life is not that it's for damn sure yeah 375 um he got he says um i don't know it's just one line that hit me all weird when i was reading it today or the the very end of it today where he's like uh it's like the first time uh he saw her at the bleachers at school her eyes were still that wild she had a problem and he wanted nothing more than to share that problem with her um yeah i don't know i just thought it was super sweet or i don't know i thought that was interesting you trying to yeah um i'm like well, he's a teenage. Is that yeah? Sometimes that's that that seems to be what all uh, relationship is. You want to you want to take on someone's problems with them. Yeah, you don't think you can help anybody, and you don't think you can help yourself. But I feel like when I was younger, and I would I would meet someone new, like romantically, or you make a fr- you have a friendship even that's like a 
those really early friendships yeah. where you're learning the whole world through somebody else. And it just feels like, holy shit, I can't believe I never, I never saw that or thought about that because my, in my house, we were raised completely different. Yeah. And it was, it's always just like, I don't want to lose that feeling as I get older. Right. And that's probably why I like make such efforts to hang out with, with artists because they've, they're just kind of really just trying to solve the problem of their life in between every time you hang out with them again. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I get together with these, these writers and artists and, and uh, so oh, what have you been up to? And all of a sudden they're just, they're just talking about this thing they've been trying to resolve and maybe they didn't learn anything. Maybe they got farther away, but when I hang out with my friends who are, you know, just ride dirt bikes or something, right. uh, they're just as cool. They're just as amazing. Yeah. But I, I get the sense that I say, well, what'd you figure out since we, yes, yes. <laughs> not last, that is- it's, it's just kind of like, Mm, just been working same right, shit right right i wonder if that is yeah that's actually that seems on point that seems to be something yeah and my, my my friends who hunt and ride dirt bikes and you know their main outlet is playing poker or something they're fucking amazing but they're, they're not on this quest to solve the quaint little puzzle of their life while they're still right. here they're just like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna enjoy everything i can and figure you know they're not they could they could teach me a lot but it's not going to be um what i learned from my uh my weird old art friends you know yeah different yeah i think the reason why that line hit me so much because you said yeah you know you can't solve their problems but uh you know i think yeah maybe it's a youth it's a young thing but i think there are times where i really thought i could <laughs> people or I they really can't help you to you know yeah. and then i'm like oh i'm the same as this boy he <laughs> You let this girl or these these kids let each other on a down a tough path, you know. Um, but um, yeah, I also thought it was like kind of fitting, and uh, yeah, I won't give up the I won't give up the ending. But where 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 she, where she ends up going, I thought it was kind of kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope the best for for everybody. I don't want to like. I don't want to misuse people in um, any of my little, my little stories, you know? Yeah. I don't want, I don't wish the worst for anybody. Sometimes it happens to them, but uh, I'm looking forward to this book being out for a little while and I can kind of, you know, I'm looking forward to going and talking to kids who have to study this book. Not yeah. like, not in like a, even like, even in, well, I'm saying sometimes now I get to go and I get to talk to college classes a little here and there about some of my little short stories that have come out. And it's nice because I can kind of, you know, just explain what I, what I meant in a way. And usually what they, how they interpret it is more interesting, but uh, I'm looking forward to being able to talk to people who have, or even just have read this book and want to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, Because it's like, you know, we're kind of like beating around the bush with like spoilers and shit, you know, right. I'm looking forward to when I can, the other uh, day, I hear you. I, when people, people haven't read it. Or... Yeah. When people have read it. The other yeah. day I was at, uh, I went down to Virginia tech and I was visiting, uh, visiting, um, they have a little festival down there, literary oh, festival. Nice. And it was cool. I expected it to be something different. Like they were going to have like a book fair and all this stuff, but it wasn't, it was just like a, 
like a lecture hall and people came in and, and they listened to like I had to give like a talk about my art and how I make it and blended it with my life and there was two other authors and they gave some you know they're completely different talks about what they do yeah and afterwards there was um a reading you know I read from teenager I read the opening opening scenes of teenager nice and uh afterwards I was hanging out at this uh this bar afterwards with people from the thing and somebody in the MFA program came up and they said that they had read uh, my story Violets a yeah. few times, you know, because they like it or they like the story. And so they started asking me like specifics of the plot, you yeah. know, like, um, and this is my favorite thing to do with uh, like, I watch a movie or something and I go, I immediately go on like, well, I go on IMDb and I read the trivia, okay. I read little trivia facts about how the movie was made and all the problems it had, you know, and then usually I'm Googling like fan theories about, you know, certain movie. There's always like these crazy fan theories that I love to read. And I'm like, I see things that people have misinterpreted in the plot. And they're sometimes more interesting than what the movie really is or what I think the movie really is or what, yeah. the, what the creators had. And so I kind of had that with somebody talking about violence. They're asking me all these questions and what they thought, what they thought was this and that and how this represented this. And I was like, wow, that's fucking cool. I'm just going to yeah. say, I'm just going to say that's what it is now, you know? Yeah. That's pretty cool. You know, they're pointing out some, some things in the text and how it pointed back to blah, blah, blah. It's all conspiracy theory thinking stuff, but it's fun. That's what art is. You can kind of just, yeah. you're free, you're free to come up with your own, uh, your own little, you know, get it wrong way, way into it. And that's why it, that's why it's, that's why it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think I want to, I want to be open to, to speaking things like that. Um, I did one of those type of things where I spoke to a, a class and, uh, yeah. and um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just really think like when I think of like all the different pieces of the soup that like shape my outlook, I, I really do think like, yeah, just your outlook like figures a lot into it. Even if it was just like affirmation of a thing I already felt, you know, sometimes you, you feel a certain way and you see somebody else who's saying that and articulating it well, and, and which is really just like, um, yeah, the stuff we're talking about, about it's not serious, but it's, you know, it's, it's serious as a task you got to attend to, but if you want to, but it's not like a big serious thing. And I don't know, I just ended up talking a lot about that, about, you know, telling stories to your friends, um, trying to, um, speak in a voice that feels right to you and um, hear it out loud. I don't know. I don't know. I want to, I want to keep yeah. doing those. That, that, that's probably the biggest thing that I never really hear talked about. Um, not that I went to, I didn't go to college for it, but I'm always constantly when I meet somebody new who has like gone to done like an MFA and I've done this since, uh, probably since I was about 25 or so when I really started to like want to learn more about what people learned in what'd you learn in school on this stuff and right. it's always kind of been like what did they make you what did they have you read and what they say and then try to go read those books that they had to read with their classes and and then try to talk to the pe new people I met about um about I remember I remember the first time that I met somebody who was into this guy Raymond Carver you know and I was like oh who's this guy you know and, and he had gone my friend one of my 
first publishers, I guess. He published um, some of my my first uh, poetry and then published my first novel and my second novel. Yeah. But he was like, he's like, oh, yeah, we learned about this guy named Raymond Carver and his, his, his English classes and his MFA classes. And that's the first time I, I he explained what this guy Lish did to his right. stories and right. deleted deleted all, all the things right. out of it and right. it me better. And I was like, what did he do? Yeah. What did this guy do? You know, and he's kind of explained it to me. You know, he's like, well, you know, he took all the, the garbage out and left only the good stuff. And right. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. But like, I don't, I don't even know how that would work. And he goes, well, actually, hold on a second. And he, his messy, disgusting car that Mark Bernetti had, he reached down the back seat and he had this book that was the, um, I forget what it's called. Uh, and it has the original the OG version. Yeah, it has the, the OG version of the story. And then yeah. like, you know, you flip, you flip and then it shows you what the, the edited version looks like. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I feel like I can't believe, I can't believe this is here for me to look at and, and see right. the reverse engineer of, of, of how, how it works. And so that's what it always is. It was just like, you know, you, you know. Well, what'd you think about that? What'd you think about the, the clip up? Um, Dream clip up. It's just different. Yeah. It's it's just different when I was talking about uh before about kind of repression and kind of feeling like uh yeah you know I feel like maybe the stories become more repressed and more silent right. that way. Damn. And it's just different. But yeah. It's, yeah, it's so interesting that you brought that up right now because this is literally what I was about to say. Um, because uh, we've talked a little bit, of, I think in person about like Richard Ford. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I hope you wouldn't mind we're pretty late into this convo. I don't, you know, no, no. telling this story, Richard, because I, I had a pretty amazing opportunity to take a class with, with Richard Ford. And um, he, he told a, he told a, I might've told you the story already, but he told a pretty funny Lish story where, you know, he was tight with Carver and then um, he wrote Independence Day and gave it to Lish and Lish was like, take this uh, manuscript, put it in his desk, put it in a, he said, take this manuscript, put it in a desk, close the desk drawer, lock that then take the whole desk to the to the dump <laughs> and richard ford said okay and he he left new york city moved to fucking middle of the country and just worked on it for a year and then yeah. you know you know what i'm saying and, then, and 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 of course like he's tight with carver and it's just this interesting thing where i was reading and i've been i've been you know i just read my romance which is lish's one book or he has multiple books, but Gian always told me to read that book because it's about his psoriasis, uh, Lish's, where he had this weird skin stuff. And it's, it's actually like kind of auto-fictioned out um, where he's like, you know, my name is Gordon. Like he's giving, a, it's all a long, 120 page long rant at a, at a podium. He's talking about his skin issues and going up on the roof and as at the as the editor of Knopf and like getting, this, getting down to his shorts and lathering himself with this weird lotion. <laughs> no, it was pretty funny. It was kind of like my book. And uh, yeah. I, yeah. And then I've been reading like um, this, uh, actually Elizabeth Ellen sent me this book by uh, Christopher Coe called uh, I Look Divine. It was one of Lish's students and it's another one. It's 120 really <laughs> pared down. But then I'm also reading Ford's longer stuff. So it's just kind of this binary thing about letting shit ride versus hyper clipping it up, you know, and yeah. and there's something to both but when i was reading your book man like i was thinking about that binary and, and i was thinking i feel like you kind of talked your shit a little bit you kind of let stuff ride and and there then but then like it kind of goes in cycles where 
you're letting parts of the story ride. Then parts of the syntax gets really like clipped up and pristine in parts. And then other parts, I don't know. I, I, I was just thinking about that. And, and same with Ford where um, you let it ride a little bit and the times, and then it, um, things kind of assume their natural rhythms, not trying to set up a, a, a hierarchy of, of the binary. I was just thinking about that. So it's so funny that you brought that up. Well, I think there's room for both. And yeah. uh, when a book doesn't do it, I feel like it's not balanced. When I read something right. that's just completely succinct right. and completely clipped and controlled, right. I feel like I'm with a different kind of author and their concerns are different than what I want as a reader. Right. You know? Right. I want, I want the, I want in a book to feel like sometimes the, the language reflects a transcendence that kind of overtakes the feeling right. of things. And sometimes that happens with the language when it kind of runs away and a yeah. um, kind of runs off the rails a bit. Yeah. And we can kind of do some kind of maneuvering with, it's like an emotional man maneuvering. Absolutely. Sometimes doesn't make logical sense even. Like fuck you. When Fokker, Fokker goes crazy. Yeah, exactly. When he gets that's crazy. That's what I would do late in my book too. I started to uh -huh. go, I'm going to talk my shit in this part right now. Mm -hmm. You know? Or I would try to. God damn it. I lost you for two seconds. Yeah, exactly. I had, um, I, had, I think I'm probably fine. Exactly. I, I tell them my internet is unstable. Yeah. All right, cool. But like, yeah, sometimes like, um, when I'm, when I'm reading a book, that's just really clipped. Like even, um, just read the sun, sun also rises again. I yeah, think, yeah. I, I, I think I read it when I was younger. I don't really remember. Sometimes I completely forget what happens. I started it. reading that, but I, I didn't finish it. I'm a, I'm like 60 in. Cause you mentioned it. I started reading it again, but I didn't finish it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, so that book, where's that fall? Well, Little it's, clipped, huh? it's pretty clipped, but he does these these things in it that are so um you know not surprising but it's like the character well that you know they and sun also rises i think everybody kind of knows what's up but the guy's been like castrated in the war you know so he's like he's this tough guy or whatever but he's got this thing going on and he does it's never talked about it's just always in subtext of the of the book oh, and like sometimes he just like he's just will break down and cry alone in his room you know so you're like you're reading this character and it, this really tender thing happens and it like it's just a personal thing alone and it's like not really like completely confronted mm. and it's cool but yeah Hemingway Hemingway is one of these writers who probably didn't want to look silly you know right, right. I like the yeah. I like writers that are fine being clowns, you know. Yes. Yes. I think Richard Ford is a deadly serious writer, but I think he for for all that he does, he's definitely okay with looking like a fool. Yes. You know? He's yes. you know, he's a he's the one of the most serious people probably. I I watched this one uh, lecture he gives. It's on YouTube. It's like it's a master class he gives. It's like an hour long. Nice. And he just talks about like um it's an old video. I think he said like swanee or something yeah and he just talks about all the things that are like important and, and like the road of his life as a writer and um it just seems like he presents himself in a way that's like so serious and like sincere right 
But when I read like Rock Spring, right, I'm like, but this guy's such a clown too. I love him for it. You know, he yeah. he has like this this side to him that's like sweet and wounded and like and he'll kind of say he'll just say it. Yeah, 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 yeah. He'll and he'll exp- he'll 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 express he'll dwell on things. He'll he'll really explore like the sides of a of feelings. I, I, I'm I'm yeah. I've 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 read a couple of the I've read sports writer and then um, I'm actually reading Independence Day right now. Yeah, I have to read those novels. I, I've really just have read like Rock Springs, but I think it's a, an amazing collection of stories. Yeah, he said something to me actually one time that you you said too when we were hanging a couple months ago at your birthday. I think I remember you saying um, with um, like uh, push it push a thing a little further, like take it. Oh no, it was one of the hangs we had. I forget, but you were saying something. Like oh, yeah, that, right? yeah, you I've given. You, about? Yeah, I remember that you yeah. were. Uh, I talked about when you get when you get somebody on the hook who wants to publish your book or right. something. Like you you had this amazing thing that was beginning to happen right around um i think it was that night i think you had just found out that the book was sold to little brown exactly right bro with bible no, down I, in uh yeah i had a little too much to drink and as usual i kind of like start saying just stuff like from my you know and my experience was only with small you know small presses but my favorite thing always was when i would get somebody who would agree to put a, a book of mine out and i would always go back to my little desk and that's and i would get so excited not because the book was coming out but because i had him on the hook now <laughs> right 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 i would look at the dry, at my manuscript and i would say okay well what can i sneak in here now right you know how can i go deeper and wilder and weirder into like and i'm not saying weirder as in more fully expressed in the range of i just i felt like i had a, always had a chance to kind of go wilder into the work yeah um, you know because i I know, I know the, the stuff that I make, um, I don't stand behind it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm always expecting to be like, I don't get another chance to right another story or I don't get another chance to put out another book. So I don't like, um, there's no seal of quality on the stuff I'm turning over. It's right. just my art I've been working on and it's gathered for a while. When someone says, no, let's do this. I'm always shocked. I'm like, holy shit, really? Right, you right. to do this. So that's my chance to um, to really go a little deeper into the Yeah, thing. I think I was feeling, uh, I, I was simultaneously, I was feeling that same kind of disbelief when that happened. And I was feeling like, oh, it's, you know, they said they want to keep it how it is, but I don't believe them. They're going to they're gonna clip, clip it up, you know? And then you were like, no, that's when you push it further and push the form further. And that's another thing you're feeling when, it, when you're reading your stuff is like, yeah, I don't think I said it well earlier, but like revel, reveling in like the possibilities of like the form. And kind of like experimenting and having fun with it. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Experimenting and and um, it's. I think to me, it's not important to subvert anything. Right. For you know, when I'm not saying like this is the genre. The, yeah. yeah they're this. These are the conventions of the crime novel. Let's say. Right. Right. You know, or these are the conventions of the romantic, the romantic love story, right. and it's figuring out like well how do i how do i surprise you know give someone something right. they never see coming because the rules for it are this but it's like if you're really widely read and you love to read and you know you, you see enough stories eventually i think you can find your own your own path forward through yeah 
through these strange little books like um you know there's no uh there's no real there's no real blueprint for uh writing a book where somebody yeah does something right or you know bad to somebody else would say yeah i i hope i'm not just yeah i don't know i feel like i'm you know i actually was back in la for some family shit um and like uh on my, on my dad's side of the family even though but my dad wasn't there anyway but um i uh yeah i don't know i, I was getting all these insights into like my book or like or like maybe i'm just being subversive for the sake or i don't know i feel like i got a little like <laughs> anyway a little bit of like a rib rebellious I'm like, this is also literature motherfucker you know <laughs> people are like whoa 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 um but uh, that'll probably calm down as life beats me up a little bit yeah um, it probably it probably maybe it will and i think uh it's yeah it's just for me i was like i just don't really feel like i'm writing like literally you know literature or whatever it's just this is the weird little thing that comes out yeah yeah, it happens to be they label it as literary fiction, but I think some people might read Teenager and they just they say, "Wow, this is a great little crime thriller or something." And I'm cool with that. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter how it falls. I won't. Uh... That's what's up. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think that's what Ford was saying. Just like push the phrase a little bit longer and see see the different sides. You feel that? So maybe yeah. So that's been helpful to me. I don't I don't know where I fall on the on the clipped up. Uh, um letting it ride spectrum but um well i think i think there's a slightly different way to think about it all yeah and it's like um there's there's this obsession with like the sentence or something you know right right sentence has to be a jewel or something right 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 sentence writer i i only care about senses right And, and you know that kind of presupposes something that you know plot doesn't matter and that's a whole different thing right but I really like to think, I like to think about paragraphs as little poems. And sometimes, sometimes in a paragraph, you don't need to have every sentence be this, you know, drop the mic thing at all. But the idea is something like what Virginia Woolf does in the waves. Um, And I'm not saying she does it on the paragraph level, but she'll like fully explore. She'll fully explore into like a ridiculous extent sometimes um, a range of something like there's a part and yeah. there's a part into the lighthouse um I where I, did i call it to the waves before i think i'm like no, you said waves and then now you said to the lighthouse good i'm like if, <laughs> <laughs> to the waves into the, the waves. Waves. into the uh yeah she'll be talking she'll be looking out the window and there'll be somebody standing out there and yeah she's like you know i hate this person and this this is why and she gets into that yeah and halfway through the paragraph she's talked herself into well actually no i'm i don't care at all about them and they don't do anything for me they don't move <laughs> and then this is why and right. then by the paragraph it's like actually i love them and i love them for this for, i love them for this reason yeah but i thought about it all and she like fully explores like the whole range of 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 what's going on with all that and if you she's just one of the bar geniuses to begin yes. with um, she probably just sits down and is that person who you know her first her second draft or whatever was you know print it and it's like the best book you'll ever read but um yeah well, to, do that, to do that inside a parag- inside a paragraph when it happens in like a meager Bud Smith novel or something it's not um it's not pristine it's messy and it's it's kind of bouncing around and um 
and it's kind of weaving here and there. But it, to me, I always think about, you know, what's possible inside a poem versus what's possible inside a, a regular old paragraph in prose. And in poetry, it's, it's the whole ocean. Right. You can go anywhere and nothing's right. off limits. Right. And you can, you can get, you can drown in it. And it's so silly and irresponsible sometimes to write a poem and it's the purest freedom of, of strangeness. You can, yeah. you don't have to make total sense. You're just conveying an emotion. Yeah. And to me, that's usually the most, when I stumble upon um, really purple writing, it's picked on, I guess. Right. Um, but I don't know what that means. Usually yeah. I think it means that something doesn't have that emotional weight to it. And it's just doing fancy shit for the sake of being fancy. But when it when it's really and floating above and away, um, and it matches what it matches what's happening with the actual story that's being told, it's it's the most powerful thing. Yeah, I mean that's help. That's yeah, that's honestly like that's that's really what it is. Where I think um, with a lot of fuckboy and a lot of how I started writing this next book, it was imposing a kind of control and a kind of clipped up energy. Stay in scene, move you through, move through the scene. And then as things have gone on and life's gone on, things have happened where like, just like the range of ways I feel about things are so volatile and like changing, you know? So like, I feel like I need to let in a more, what you're talking about, you know, Virginia Woolf looking out the window and feeling like four different things, you know? Yeah, four different things. And like, also most men, when, when you read their writing, um, they're, they're trying to look like they got all the answers. Right. That's usually the problem, you know. Weakness, weakness of concept, is sometimes what's lacking from masculine fiction in general. Where I'm like, oh, cool. Here's another person who's got everything figured out, and they can't wait to tell me how they got it all figured out. Right. Inside this conceit that they've created, fiction or whatever it is, but most people actually feel that they can't make total sense of their lives. Right. And they're bouncing from, from different viewpoints and trying things out and trying to understand which is the path forward for them through their lives. Right. You know? But I read books all the time where here's another character who's got everything all figured out. Shit, my, my narrator has, it's very weak and nothing yeah. figured out. <laughs> and that's cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. Damn. Well, um, Shit, how are you feeling? You feel like we got we got some good stuff down? Yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of good stuff there. I think, this is, I think that's it. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Um to or I feel I feel good about just this damn conversation for how I'm gonna write. Fuck fuck the recording. But um good. Me too. Hell yeah. Yeah, as always, I appreciate you doing this. And um it's nice that you do this podcast for for people who are like trying to uh I don't know, learn how to do this too, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's such a helpful idea. Like when you're getting flooded out with all these anxieties and fear, you don't really know what you're doing anymore. And then you're like, I don't know. I've been hitting people like that. Like, could something we talk about be helpful for somebody? Yeah, okay, yeah. let's do it. Like that's that's the barometer, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's a really helpful barometer. I was just talking earlier today. I was talking to uh, to John John Pryor. He does selected pros oh, and yeah. like. And he stopped stopped doing these because he kind of like felt like he ran out of things to talk about yeah. with writers because it's like 
you know, the same, same questions over and over again. You kind of get the same answer over and over again. And um, my experience with talking to, like I said, I, well, as you know, you know, my friends and you are my friend, but I'm saying like, when we hang out with these, with these guys or these, these women, these girls, it's yeah. like, they always surprise me every time. Yeah. You know? Like what, what this, per, what this person actually thinks about the books that they're reading. Yeah. I'm like, Fuck. I got to reread that now. Um, For real. For real. It's always changing and it's always, yeah, it's kind of an exhaustible world and books and rereading books. You know, I'm reading this catch on the right thinking about my, it's also funny. I'm like, damn, this, might, this book might've misled me. There's a lot of, you know, outsider. It's just, it's, it's always, you know, running back, running back so, like years so past is completely different too. You want to take it, you know? Yeah. Because you want to take it with, especially something like Catcher and Rye. It's yeah. just, a dysfunctional person writing about a dysfunctional kid where like where does it end for real yeah yeah um i hope everything goes good out out in uh in the city soon you know yeah yeah we'll hang in the city soon yeah i'll be back from um back from oxford and uh maybe maybe the following weekend i'll probably be returning to the wilds tight 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 yeah let's go in and chop it up in person cool tight tight bud all right, man. All I'll right, catch man. you. Thanks, Sean. All right, bud.